Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us. And we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day. And I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events. And uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. Standing, we're going to go to the book of Deuteronomy, amen, Deuteronomy chapter number 17, and beginning at verse number 6, and then also Deuteronomy chapter 19 and verse 15, amen, Deuteronomy 17 and 6, and the Word of God says this, at the mouth of two witnesses or three shall he that is worthy of death be put to death. But at the mouth of one witness, he shall not be put to death. Deuteronomy 19 and 15 says, One witness shall not rise up against a man for iniquity or for any sin. In any sin that he sinneth at the mouth of two witnesses or at the mouth of three witnesses shall the matter be established. And this is known in the word of God as the divine principle of justice. Justice had to be established by witnesses, not by rumor, not not by innuendo, not by association, but it had to be established by witnesses. Justice that involved human life had to be established by more than one witness, two, preferably by the law, three. In other words, you couldn't just go make an accusation alone by yourself. You need a witness. Amen. And that was established in the two scriptures that I read. Again, Deuteronomy 19 and 15, one witness shall not rise up against a man for an iniquity or for any sin, in any, any sin that he sinneth, At the mouth of two witnesses or the mouth of three witnesses shall the matter be established. Amen. And so the word of God is letting us know you need three. Two, but preferably, ideally, you're going to need three. And that sets the precedent of divine justice. Now, this may not make a lot of sense right now. Amen. And I was... I was going to come in, I was going to preach with my hat, my baseball cap, and my jersey because we're in the middle of baseball season, but I didn't want to trigger all the Giants fans in here with my Dodgers jersey or my Oakland fans with my Texas Rangers jersey. I just let, just, you know, so I just thought I'd stay neutral. I didn't want anybody to not be able to touch Jesus because I was wearing the wrong team, amen. But we're in baseball season, and in baseball, three strikes and... You're out. You're out. But I'm going to flip that a little bit, and I want to preach for a few minutes on this thought. Three strikes, and you're in. Three strikes, and you're in. I don't want to know how to get out. I want to know how to get in the kingdom. Amen? Let's pray together right now. Jesus, we thank you for your word. I thank you for this awesome church family gathered here today. And I pray that you would anoint me to speak your word 
that there would be life, transformative life to someone today. Lord, we want to leave here different than the way that we've come by the power of your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said amen. And could you just give the Lord another thanksgiving? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. As you're being seated, look at somebody and tell them three strikes and you're in. One strike against a man was not enough. Not just one strike. Took three. In the New Testament, this principle applies even to situations that do not involve capital punishment or the death penalty. In 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse number 19, Paul is writing to a young pastor named Timothy, and he's helping him establish church government. And he says in verse 19, against an elder receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. It's justice. There could be no judgment resulting in condemnation or punishment without two or three witnesses. God also used this principles in matters of uh, judgment involving justification, which is an exemption from punishment. In Exodus chapter 12 and verse number 7, the Bible says, And you shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts where in the houses wherein they shall eat it. God said, I want you to take the blood of that lamb, amen, before the death angel passes over Egypt, if you remember the story of the Exodus. He said, and I want you to take the blood of that innocent lamb, and I want you to strike it in three places. I want you to strike it on the left side of the door, and on the right side of the door, and finally, up on the top of the board. In other words, God said, I want it struck in three places. I want three strikes. One strike was not good enough. Two strikes was not good enough. In other words, God said three strikes and you're in. Exodus chapter number 12 and verses 12 through 13. For the Lord said, I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beasts. And against the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Verse 13. And the blood shall be for you a token upon the houses wherein ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. In this life or death situation, God emphasizes his command by repeating it twice. Because when you drop down to verses 22 and 23, then God says it again. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike it and strike the lintel. And the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out at the door of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through the land of Egypt and smite the Egyptians. And when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your houses to smite you. In other words, God is re-emphasizing this. I don't just want it on one place or two places. You need the blood struck three times 
over your door. One on each side and one on the top. Three strikes, you're in. Hyssop was a common plant accessible to anybody. Amen. It was easy to obey, but you still had to obey it. Just because it was easy did not mean you were exempt. Or even if it was hard did not mean you were exempt. In other words, God is emphasizing again three strikes and what would have been the fate of someone who had put the blood only upon the lintel or the upper post. Well, one strike and you're out. What if somebody would have put it just on the sides and not the top? Two strikes and you're out. What if somebody would have said, you know, you really don't have to do all of that. All that stuff's not necessary. Just a little bit of blood will be okay. What, what, if, what if somebody would have stood back and said, God understands you have a weak stomach and too much blood makes your stomach a little upset. God, God, God knows the intent of your heart. You'll be okay. No, they weren't willing to risk their firstborn child because someone had an opinion about what God said. Because God doesn't play word games in the Bible. He means what he says and he says what he means. If he said put it on the side and the top, he didn't mean just put it on the side. If he said put the blood on the side and the top, he didn't mean just put a little bit on the top and a little over here on the side. He said if you are going to have the death angel pass over you, you need the blood in three places, on the top, on the right side, and on the left side. Three strikes and you're in. I don't know about you, but if I had been living then, Brother Chase, I wouldn't take the chance with partial obedience. I said, if I was living then, I wouldn't chance my daughter's life on somebody else's opinion about what they think God meant. Here's something I know about God. When he says it, he means it. And when he means it, he says it. When he said, put the blood on the upper and the two side posts, it was not a suggestion. It was not if you felt like it. It's not if your grandma thought it was all right. It wasn't what the priest or the denomination said. It wasn't what the Christian bookstore said. It wasn't what the TV preacher said or the Instagram theology said. It was what God said, we got to do it. If the death angel is going to pass over my home, if I'm going to save my family, then I've got to do everything God said to do. And when God said three places, bless God, I'm putting it on the right, the left, and the top. And I'm not putting a little bit. I'm not going to spare. I want to make sure the death angel sees blood here, blood here, and blood here. Three strikes, you're in. Because Every word of God is a sure word. Let me say that again. Every word of God is a sure word. You may love your parents and they may be great people, but not every word they speak is a sure word. Not the word of every teacher. Not the word of every preacher. Not the word of every theologian. Every philosopher is sure. Definitely not a word of a politician, sure. But God's word, God's word is sure. 
God's word is something you can stand on. And if God tells you to do something, but the world tells you to do something else, just stick with what God said. If God says do something and mama says do something else, you stick with what God said. If God said it, but daddy says something else, you stick with what God said. If God said it and the governor says something else, you stick with God. I don't care who said it. You stick with God. Three strikes, you're in. Oh, I feel the presence of the Lord here today. Amen. God's word is sure. Somebody say God's word is sure. We used to sing the old song, standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises of God, my Savior. I'm standing on the promises of God. It's a sure foundation. It's a sure foundation. God's word will never fail you. God has never failed. God's word has proved every man a lie. Let me say, I don't got time to, uh, uh, to do a lot of apologetics here to prove what I'm saying. Maybe we can do that another time. But every time man has sought to disprove God's word, God's word only proved to, that they're a liar. Every time. Every time they tried to shut it down, God's word just got stronger. In the early days of the emperors of Rome, when uh, the emperors sought to shut down Christianity in the most torturous ways, the early Christians didn't bow. Hallelujah. In the home of Augustus Caesar, they tried to shut it down. But by the time the Holy Ghost got moving in Rome, just a few years after the outpouring of God's presence in Acts chapter 2, Paul writes a letter to the church and he says, by the way, salute those in the household of Caesar. In other words, the presence of God, this three strikes is now found in the most powerful home in all the world. Because you won't shut it down. You won't shut it down. And within 200 years, 200 to 300 years, after the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2, amen, all for 250 years, they tried to push out the Christian faith, amen. But you know what God did by then? Amen. Emperors were starting to bow their knee to the word of God. Entire kingdoms were bowing to the word of God because it's a sure foundation. You can stand on God's word. It has proven the test of time. Amen. Every time they've sought to ban it, it's always stood strong. Every time they've sought to turn it away, it has stood strong. Stalin couldn't shut it down. Lenin couldn't shut it down. Hitler couldn't shut it down. Mussolini couldn't shut it down. Castro couldn't shut it down. Saddam couldn't shut it down. Gaddafi couldn't shut it down. It just kept going. And everywhere they tried to stop God's word, it exploded and got more powerful. Because God's word always proves true. 
2 Peter chapter 1 and verses 19 through 21, the Apostle Peter writes and he says, We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that take heed, amen, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of a private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. In other words, God's word is a sure prophecy. It's a sure word. And you can't, I can't have my interpretation of the Bible and it be right. And you have an interpretation of the Bible and it be right. And there be a million right interpretations. There's only one way and it's God's way. 2 Timothy 2 and 19 says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Depart from iniquity. In other words, if you are a part of his, you follow his word. Three witnesses were not only necessary for the death penalty, but three witnesses were necessary for life if they were to be exonerated it took three witnesses why does man need his sin covered by a blood sacrifice anyway to answer that question we got to go back even further than the history of the exodus of the Jewish people but we got to go all the way back to Eden where we find three strikes against Adam and Eve 1 John chapter 2 and verses 15 through 17 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all the, that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. There's three things that he said is in the world. Amen is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Three strikes, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. If you'll put the chart up there, you can follow along with me. There are three temptations, main temptations in our life. Amen. There is the lust of the flesh, that is of the body. There is the lust of the eyes, that is of the mind. And there is the pride of life, that is of your spirit. Let me show you how Adam and Eve struck out. The Bible says in Genesis 3, the woman saw the tree was good for food. That was the lust of the flesh. The Bible says in Genesis 3, and that it was made pleasant to the eyes. That's the lust of the eyes. And strike three was the pride of life. When the tree uh, to be desired to make one wise. And they struck out. But Jesus struck in. Because in Luke 4, the devil commanded that the stones would be made bread, but Jesus refused because he was not filled with the lust of the flesh. He said, if thou will therefore worship me, all of this will be thine. He went after his eyes and his mind, but Jesus did not yield to the lust of the eyes. And then number three, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down hence. But Jesus didn't yield to the pride of life. Amen. And when Adam and Eve struck out one, two, three strikes, they were out. Jesus, one, two, three strikes, and he was in. Yeah. 
Oh, I feel the presence of God here right now. There were three strikes against Adam and Eve because they failed in every temptation. But Jesus Christ, he hit a home run every time he stepped to the plate. He put the ball over the fence and he was totally victorious over all three of the same temptations. Amen. Personal salvation according to the Bible, it includes three strikes. Three strikes against the old man which can reverse the curse that was brought on by our disobedience. In 1 Corinthians 15 and 1 through 4, amen, Paul says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preach unto, preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which ye are, why ye are saved. We are, number one, we're saved by the gospel, right? We're saved by the gospel. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain, for I deliver unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died, that's the death, strike one, that Christ died for our sins. Hold up your finger and say, strike one. Died for our sins, amen, for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, strike two, and that he rose again in the resurrection on the third day, strike three. Dead, buried, resurrected. Strike one was the death. Strike two, the burial. But strike three, the resurrection. And it's not three strikes and you're out. It's three strikes and you're in. Without all three of those steps, salvation is not complete and it's ineffective. It's three strikes and you're in. It's blood on the right side, blood on the left side, and blood on the upper post. The house wasn't covered with two strikes of blood or one strike of blood. It needed all three strikes of the blood. Salvation needs all three steps. Oh, I feel the presence of God here right now. Repentance. It's the first strike. That's death. Repentance happens in my mind. And it applies the death of Christ to my life. It strikes back against the lust of the eyes. That is the illusion that sin is good for me. I said it's the illusion of the lust of the flesh or the lust of the eyes that, that sin is really good for me. And if I enjoy it, God must be okay with it. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 24 in the New Living Translation says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Strike one. Romans 6 and 6 through 7 says, Our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. When we died, when we died with Christ in repentance, we were set free. That was strike one when we, when we repented of our sins. We died with him. That's just strike one. You got to have three. Strike one was his death. Strike two was his burial. Baptism happens in my body when it applies to the burial of Christ. 
it strikes back against the lust of the flesh. That is the appetite of the flesh. Romans 6 and 4 says in this translation, in other words, when we were baptized, we went into the tomb with him and joined him in death so that as Christ was raised from the dead, amen, we too might receive a new life. Colossians 2 and 12 says, For in baptism you see how your old evil nature died with him and was buried with him, and then you came up out of death with him into a new life because you trusted the word of the mighty God who raised Christ from the dead. In other words, baptism is a funeral for the old man. Baptism is the burial of who you used to be and what you used to do. It's strike too. It's not good enough just to die. You've now got to bury it. That's why we have a tank filled with water out there this afternoon. It's because it's a graveyard for your sins to be buried in, for the old nature to be buried in. Come on, this is the most important thing today is understanding I need to confess my sin to the Lord. I need to die out to that sin in repentance. That's strike one. But I don't need to leave that old man laying on the ground. Amen. I don't need to leave that old man laying on the altar, but I need to get in the waters of baptism. Woo. I need to get in the waters of baptism and bury the old man. That's strike two. Oh, but there's a third strike coming. And strike three is the Holy Spirit. It's not three strikes you're out, it's three strikes you're in. And the third strike is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Holy Ghost happens in my spirit and it applies to the resurrection of Christ in my life. It strikes back against the pride of life. That is the tendency to rule ourselves. The pride of life is I can do it on my own, but we can't do it on our own. We need the help of God. That's what the Holy Ghost is. It's the comforter. It's the help of God in our life. Romans 8, chapter, chapter number 8 and verses 6 through 9. If your sinful nature controls your mind, there is death. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile toward God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will obey God's laws. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you and remember that those who do not have the spirit of Christ living in them are not Christians at all Romans 8 16 in the good news translation says God's spirit joins himself to our spirits to declare that we are now God's children I'm not taking any chances with two strikes. I'm not taking any chances with one strike. I want all three strikes. I need the blood on the left, on the right, and on the upper post. I said, I need the blood in all three places. It's three strikes and you're in. Repent of your sin. Be baptized in the name of Jesus and be filled with the Holy Ghost. 
It's as easy as one, two, three. Death, burial, and resurrection. Salvation's not complicated. Salvation's as easy as three strikes. I gotta repent. I get baptized, and then I'm filled with the Spirit of God. Woo. And on the day of Pentecost, when the New Testament church was born, all of a sudden, the apostle Peter stood up under the unction of God, and he began to preach, and he began to speak, because those that were there cried out and said, what must we do to get in? What must we do to be saved? And Peter stood up and said, you need three strikes. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, repent, strike one. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. Strike two. And ye shall be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. One, two, three, and you're in. You want in the kingdom? Takes three strikes. I thank God for anybody's step toward God. Any step toward God's a step in the right direction. But two strikes ain't going to get you into heaven. One strike's not going to get us into heaven. The Bible says it takes all three. You may say, well, that's, that's your interpretation. No, that's what the Word of God said. I don't get into heaven by shaking a preacher's hand or joining a church. I don't, get, I don't get into heaven by showing up to the ball field. I don't get to heaven by repeating the coach's philosophy. I get to heaven in three strikes. Because the way one gets in is the way all get in. The death, the burial, and the resurrection. Salvation was based upon the exodus of Egypt. It took three strikes of the post. Blood on the right, blood on the left, and blood on the upper post. Anything less would have voided protection over that home. I wonder who today in this house this afternoon would say, I don't know. I know I've got it on one post. I don't know if I've got it on three. I've got it on two, but I don't know if I've got it on the third. And today, I want to make sure that I have made all three strikes so that I can get in. Would you stand with me today? Oh, I feel the presence of the Lord right now. It's three strikes and you're in. Because God's not looking for a way to get you out. Let me clear this up. God is not some mean old man with a long white beard just trying, just can't wait to send you to hell. That's not in the Bible. Matter of fact, what I understand in the Bible God don't send anybody there. People choose to go there. Because they say, oh, one strike was good enough for me. Or my great-grandfather had two strikes, and I'm going to stick with that. By the way one man gets in is by the way we all get in. 
And if it's through the gospel, which is the death, the burial, and the resurrection, I need all three. I need the death, which is repentance. I need the burial, which is baptism by immersion in the name of Jesus. And I need strike three. I need the resurrection, which is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Would you stretch your hands and pray for just a moment? Just a moment. We're going to open these altars for whosoever will that wants to come. And I believe these altars are going to be flooded with people that are going to come down and say, I want to make sure i got all three strikes in my life. Amen. I confess my sin. Amen. That's great. That's just strike one. Amen. I don't think I did anything else past that. That's all right. We've got an availability for you today for strike two. Amen. we got clothes you can change into. Amen. So we can baptize you today in the only saving name of Jesus. Amen. we got towels to dry off with. Amen. You can be filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit today. Just lift those hands right now and say, Lord Jesus, I want to make sure that I have the blood on all three posts. I want to make sure that I have the blood on the right post and the left post and on the upper door post. Come on, First Church. Lift that voice right now. There are people all over this house, all over this house that are praying with great sincerity right now, saying, Lord Jesus, I want to be saved. Lord Jesus, I want to be saved. Three strikes and I want to be in. I want to make my calling and my election sure. Hallelujah. I want to repent. Amen. I'm going to go down in the waters of baptism in Jesus' name. And I'm going to receive the gift of His Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, First Church. Just a few more moments. We're going to eat and have fun in just a moment. This is the most important part of the day. Somebody's going to make a decision to follow Christ before this service is over here. Somebody's going to make a decision to walk and follow after Jesus before we leave here today. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Come on, he's moving in this place right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Say, well, how how will I know? How will I know when I've received the gift of the Holy Spirit? The way it happened in the book of Acts, the Bible said, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And they all began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. God's not going to leave you guessing if you've been saved. He's going to give you evidence of salvation. Amen. You'll begin to speak a language you don't know. You'll begin to speak words you don't understand. It may sound like gibberish. It may sound like baby talk, but that's the Holy Spirit baptism in the name of Jesus. If you want to make sure you've got all three stripes, I want to open this altar right now for you to come meet me in this altar. Come meet our ministry team in this altar right now. Come on. Come on. I'm opening these altars all over this. Anybody want to come and pray? Anybody want to come and seek the Lord today? Anyone want to come and make sure I've got strike one, strike two, strike Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.